Through the apostle, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And I will be a father unto them, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Mark what follows. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 6, verses 17 and 18, and chapter 7, verse 1, compared. And again, the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that, denying all ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify us unto himself, a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Titus 2, verses 12 through 14. Our souls, I know no such arguments to work you to a lively and constant performance of all heavenly services, like those that are drawn from the consideration of the great and glorious things that Christ hath done for you. And if such arguments will not take you and win upon you, I do not think the throwing of hellfire in your faces will never do it. Footnote. Talk not of a good life, but let thy life speak. Your actions in passing pass not away, for every good work is a grain of seed for eternal life. End of footnote. Remedy 3. The third remedy against this device of Satan is seriously to consider that those precious souls which Jesus Christ hath done and suffered as much for as he hath for you have been exceeding active and lively in all religious services and heavenly performances. Footnote. The saints' motto in all ages hath been, Let us be doing. God loves the runner, not the questioner or disputer, says Luther. And the footnote. He did as much and suffered as much for David as for you, and yet who more in praying and praising God than David? Seven times a day will I praise the Lord. Psalm 119, 164. Who more in studying and meditating on the word of God? Thy law is my meditation all the day. Psalm 119, verse 97. The same truth you may run and read in Jacob, Moses, Job, Daniel, and in the rest of the holy prophets and apostles, whom Christ hath done as much for as for you. Ah, uh, how have all these worthies abounded in works of righteousness and holiness to the praise of free grace? Certainly Satan hath got the upper hand of those souls that do argue thus. Christ hath done such and such glorious things for us, therefore we need not make any care in conscience of doing such and such religious services as men say the word calls for. If this logic be not from hell, what is it? Ah, were the holy prophets and apostles alive to hear such logic come out of the mouths of such as profess themselves to be interested in the great and glorious things that Jesus Christ hath done for his chosen ones, how would they blush to look upon such souls, and how would their hearts grieve and break within them to hear the language and to observe the actings of such souls? Footnote. He that talks of heaven, but doeth not the will of God, is like him that gazed upon the moon, but fell into the pit. End of footnote. Remedy 4. The fourth remedy against this device of Satan is seriously to consider that those that do not walk in the ways of righteousness and holiness, that do not wait upon God in the several duties and services that are commanded by him, 
cannot have that evidence to their own souls of their righteousness before God, of their fellowship and communion with God, of their blessedness here, and their happiness hereafter, as those souls have that love and delight in the ways of the Lord that are always best when they are most in the works and service of the Lord. Footnote. Certainly it is one thing to judge by our graces, another thing to rest or put our trust in them. There is a great deal of difference between declaring and deserving. As David's daughters were known by their garments of diverse colors, so are God's children by their piety and sanctity. A Christian's emblem should be in house walking towards heaven. High words surely make a man neither holy nor just, but a virtuous life, a circumspect walking, makes him dear to God. A tree that is not fruitful is for the fire. Christianity is not a talking, but a walking with God, who will not be put off with words. If he miss a fruit, he will take up his axe, and then the soul is cut off forever. End of footnote. Little children, saith the apostle, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. First John 3, 7. In this, saith the same apostle, the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. Verse 10. If ye know that he is righteous, saith the same apostle, ye know that every one that doeth righteousness is born of him. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whosoever keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walks. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie, and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin, saith the same apostle. John 2, verses 4 through 6, and chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. So James, in chapter 2, verses 14 and 20, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith, and have no works? Can faith save him? No, it cannot. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. To look after holy and heavenly works is the best way to preserve the soul from being deceived and deluded by Satan's delusions, and by sudden flashes of joy and comfort. Holy works being a more sensible and constant pledge of the precious spirit, begetting and maintaining in the soul more solid, pure, clear, strong, and lasting joy. Our souls, as you would have in yourselves a constant and a blessed evidence of your fellowship with the Father and the Son, and of the truth of grace, and of your future happiness, look that you cleave close to holy services, and that you turn not your backs upon religious duties. Remedy 5 The fifth remedy against this device of Satan is, solemnly to consider, that there are other choice and glorious ends for the saints' performance of religious duties than for the justifying of their persons before God, or for their satisfying of the law or justice of God, or for the purchasing of the pardon of sin, that is, to testify their justification. Footnote. It is a precious truth never to be forgotten that duties are esteemed not by their acts, but by their ends. End of footnote. 
A good tree cannot but bring forth good fruits, Matthew 7:17, to testify their love to God and their sincere obedience to the commands of God, to testify their deliverance from spiritual bondage, to evidence the indwelling of the Spirit, to stop the mouths of the worst of men, and to gladden those righteous souls that God would not have saddened. These and abundance of other choice ends there be, why those that have an interest in the glorious doings of Christ should, notwithstanding that, keep close to the holy duties and religious services that are commanded by Christ. And if these considerations will not prevail with you to wait upon God in holy and heavenly duties, I am afraid if one should rise from the dead, his arguments would not win upon you, but you would hold on in your sins and neglect his service, though you lost your souls forever. Footnote. The end in view moves to action. Keep thyself within compass and have an eye always to the end of thy life and actions, was Maximilian, the emperor's motto. End of footnote. Device number five. By presenting to them the paucity and poverty of those that walk in the ways of God that hold on in religious practices. Saith Satan, Do not you see that those that walk in such and such religious ways are the poorest, the meanest, and the most despicable persons in the world? This took with them in John 7, verses 47 to 49. Then answered the Pharisees, Are ye also deceived? Have any of the rulers or of the Pharisees believed on him? But this people who knoweth not the law are cursed. Remedy 1 The first remedy against this device of Satan is to consider that though they are outwardly poor, yet they are inwardly rich. Though they are poor in temporals, yet they are rich in spirituals. Footnote Do not you see, saith Chrysostom, the places where treasures are hid are rough and overgrown with thorns. Do not the naturalists tell you that the mountains that are big with gold within are bare of grass without? Saints have, as scholars, poorer commons, or daily fare here, because they must study hard to go to heaven. End of footnote. The worth and riches of the saints is inward. The king's daughter is all glorious within. Psalm 45, verse 13. Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him, saith James in chapter 2, verse 5. I know thy poverty, but thou art rich, said John to the church of Smyrna, Revelation 2, 9. What though they have little in possession, yet they have a glorious kingdom in reversion. Fear not, little flock, it is your father's pleasure to give you a kingdom, Luke 12, 32. Though saints have little in hand, yet they have much in hope. You count those happy in a worldly sense that have much in reversion, though they have little in possession. And will you count the saints miserable because they have little in hand, little in possession, though they have a glorious kingdom in reversion of this? I am sure the poorest saint that breathes will not exchange, were it in his power, that which he hath in hope and in reversion, for the possession of as many worlds as there be stars in heaven or sands in the sea. Remedy 2 The second remedy against this device of Satan is to consider that in all ages God hath had some that have been great, rich, wise, and honorable that have chosen his ways and cleaved to his service in the face of all difficulties. Though not many wise men, yet some wise men, 
And though not many mighty, yet some mighty have. And though not many noble, yet some noble have. Witness Abraham, and Jacob, and Job, and several kings, and others that the scriptures speak of. And ah, how many have we among ourselves, whose souls have cleaved to the Lord, and who have swum to his service through the blood of the slain, and, and who have not counted their lives dear unto them, that they and others might enjoy the holy things of Christ according to the mind and heart of Christ. Footnote Good nobles, saith one, are like black swans, and are thinly scattered in the firmament of a state, even like stars of the first magnitude. Yet some God hath had in all ages, as might he showed out of histories. In the footnote Remedy 3 The third remedy against this device of Satan is solemnly to consider that the spiritual riches of the poorest saints do infinitely transcend the temporal riches of all the wicked men in the world. Their spiritual riches do satisfy them. They can sit down satisfied with the riches of grace that be in Christ, without honors and without riches. Footnote Alexander's vast mind inquired if there were any more worlds to conquer. Crassus was so rich that he maintained an army with his own revenues, yet he, his great army, and his son and heir fell together and left his great estate to others. End of footnote. He that drinks of that water that I shall give him shall thirst no more. John 4:13. The riches of poor saints are durable. They will bed and board with them. They will go to the prison, to a sick bed, to a grave, yea, to heaven with them. The spiritual riches of poor saints are as wine to cheer them, and as bread to strengthen them, and as cloth to warm them, and as armor to protect them. Now all you that know anything do know that the riches of this world cannot satisfy the souls of men, and they are as fading as a flower, or as the owners of them are. Remedy 4 The fourth remedy against this device is seriously to consider that though the saints considered comparatively are few, though they be a little, little flock, a remnant, a garden enclosed, a spring shut up, a fountain sealed, though they are as the summer gleanings, though they are one of a city and two of a tribe, though they be but a handful to a household, a spark to a flame, a drop to the ocean, yet consider them simply in themselves, and so they are an innumerable number that cannot be numbered. As John speaketh, After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds, and peoples and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands Revelation 7-9 So Matthew speaks And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven Matthew 8-11 So Paul But ye are come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God the heavenly Jerusalem and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. Hebrews 12, verse 22. Footnote. When Flugentius saw the nobility of Rome sit mounted in their finery, it mounted his meditations to the heavenly Jerusalem.
End of footnote. Remedy 5. The fifth remedy against this device of Satan is, seriously to consider, that it will be but as a day before these poor despised saints shall shine brighter than the sun in his glory. It will not be long before you will wish, oh, that we were now among the poor, mean, despised ones in the day that God comes to make up his jewels. It will not be long before these poor few saints shall be lifted up upon their thrones to judge the multitude, the world, as the Apostle speaks. Know ye not that the saints shall judge the world? 1 Corinthians 6.2 And in that day, oh, how will the great and the rich, the learned and the noble, wish that they had lived and spent their days with these few poor contemptible creatures in the service of the Lord? Oh, how will this wicked world curse the day that ever they had such base thoughts of the poor mean saints and that their poverty became a stumbling block to keep them off from the ways of sanctity? Footnote John Fox, being once asked whether he knew a certain poor man who had received succor of him in time of trouble, he answered, I remember him well. I tell you, I forget lords and ladies to remember such. So will God deal by his poor saints. He will forget the great and mighty ones of the world to remember his few poor despised ones. Though John the Baptist was poor in the world, yet the Holy Ghost calls him the greatest that was born of woman. Ah, poor saints, men that know not your worth cannot have such low thoughts of you, but the Lord will have as high. End of footnote. I have read of Ingo, an ancient king of the Draves, who making a stately feast appointed his nobles at that time pagans to sit in the hall below and commanded certain poor Christians to be brought up into his presence chamber to sit with him at his table to eat and drink of his kingly cheer at which many wondering he said he accounted Christians though never so poor a greater ornament to his table and more worthy of his company than the greatest peers unconverted to the Christian faith for when these might be thrust down to hell, those might be his consorts and fellow princes in heaven. You know how to apply it. Although you see the stars sometimes by their reflections in a puddle or in the bottom of a well, I in a stinking ditch, yet the stars have their situation in heaven. So though you see a godly man in a poor, miserable, low, despised condition for the things of this world, yet he is fixed in heaven, in the region of heaven. Who hath raised us up, said the Apostle, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus? O oh, therefore say to your own souls, when they begin to decline the ways of Zion because of the poverty and paucity of those that walk in them, the day is at hand when those few poor despised saints shall shine in glory, when they shall judge this world, and when all the wicked of this world will wish that they were in their condition and would give ten thousand worlds were it in their power that they might have but the honor and happiness to wait upon those whom for their poverty and paucity they have neglected and despised in this world. Remedy 6 The sixth remedy against this device of Satan is solemnly to consider that there will come a time even in this life, in this world when the reproach and contempt that is now cast upon the ways of God by reason of the poverty and paucity of those that walk in those ways, shall be quite taken away by his making them the head that have days without number than the tail, 
and by his raising them up to much outward riches, prosperity, and glory, who have been as the outcast because of their poverty and paucity. John, speaking of the glory of the church, the new Jerusalem that came down from heaven, Revelation 21:24 tells us that the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory into it. So the prophet Isaiah, they shall bring their sons from far, and their silver and their gold with them. For brass I will bring gold, and for iron I will bring silver, and for wood brass, and for stones iron. Chapter 60, verse 17. And so the prophet Zechariah speaks in chapter 14, verse 14, And the wealth of all the heathen round about shall be gathered together, gold and silver and apparel in great abundance. The Lord hath promised that the meek shall inherit the earth, Matthew 5, 5, and heaven and earth shall pass away before one jot or one tittle of his word shall pass unfulfilled, verse 18. Ah, poor saints, now some thrust sore at you, others look a squint upon you, others shut the door against you, others turn their backs upon you. And most of men, except it be a few that live much in God and are filled with the riches of Christ, do either neglect you or despise you because of your poverty. But the day is coming when you shall be lifted up above the dunghill, when you shall change poverty for riches, your rags for robes, your reproach for a crown of honor, your infamy for glory, even in this world. And this is not all, but God will also mightily increase the number of his chosen ones. Multitudes shall be converted to him. Who hath heard such a thing? Who hath seen such things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth children. And they shall bring all your brethren for an offering unto the Lord, out of all nations, upon horses and in chariots, in litters and upon mules, and upon swift beasts, to my holy mountain Jerusalem, saith the Lord. As the children of Israel bring an offering in a clean vessel into the house of the Lord. Isaiah 66, verses 8, 19, and 20. Doth not the scripture say that the kingdoms of this world must become the kingdoms of our Lord? Revelation 11:15. Hath not God given to Christ the heathen and the uttermost parts of the earth for his possession? Psalm 2, 8. Hath not the Lord said that in the last days the mountain of the Lord's house shall be lifted up above the hills and shall be established in the top of the mountains and all nations shall flow into it Isaiah 2 2 and chapter 54 verse 14 and chapter 61 verse 9 pray read and meditate upon Isaiah 60 and 66 and chapter 2 verses 1 through 5 and there you shall find the multitudes that shall be converted to Christ and oh that you would be mighty in believing and in wrestling with God that he would hasten the day of his glory that the reproach that is now upon his people and ways may cease. Device number six. By presenting before them the examples of the greatest part of the world that walk in the ways of their own hearts and that make light and slight of the ways of the Lord. Why, saith Satan, do not you see that the great and the rich the noble and the honorable, the learned and the wise, even the greatest number of men, never trouble themselves about such and such ways, 
and why then should you be singular and nice? You were far better do as the most do. Remedy 1 The first remedy against this device of Satan is solemnly to consider of those scriptures that make directly against following the sinful examples of men. As that in Exodus, Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil, neither shalt thou speak in a cause to decline after many to rest judgment. Chapter 23, verse 2 The multitude generally are ignorant and know not the way of the Lord. Therefore they speak evil of what they know not. They are envious and maliciously bent against the service and way of God, and therefore they cannot speak well of the ways of God. This way is everywhere spoken against, saith they, in Acts 28.22. So in Numbers 16.21, separate from them and come out from among them. So the apostle, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, Ephesians 5.11 So Solomon, enter not into the way of the wicked, forsake the foolish, and live. Proverbs 4.14 and 9.6 They that walk with the most shall perish with the most. Footnote The way to hell is broad and well beaten. The way to be undone forever is to do as the most do. The multitude is the weakest and worst argument, saith Seneca. End of footnote they that do as the most shall ere long suffer with the most. They that live as the most must die with the most and to hell with the most. Remedy 2 The second remedy against this device of Satan is seriously to consider that if you will sin with the multitude, all the angels in heaven and men on earth cannot keep you from suffering with the multitude. If you will be wicked with them, you must unavoidably be miserable with them. Footnote. Sin and punishment are linked together with chains of adamant. Of sin, we may say, as Isidore doth of the serpent, so many colors, so many dollars. End of footnote. Say to thy soul, O my soul, if thou wilt sin with the multitude, thou must be shut out of heaven with the multitude. Thou must be cast down to hell with the multitude. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sin, and that ye receive not of her plagues. Revelation 18.4 Come out in affection, in action, and in habitation, for else the infection of sin will bring upon you the infliction of punishment. So saith the wise man, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Or as the Hebrew hath it, shall be broken in pieces. Proverbs 13.20 Multitudes may help thee into sin, yea, one may draw thee into sin, but it is not multitudes that can help thee to escape punishments, as you may see in Moses and Aaron, that were provoked to sin by the multitude, but were shut out of the pleasant land, and fell by a hand of justice as well as others. Remedy 3 the third remedy against this device of Satan is solemnly to consider the worth and excellency of thy immortal soul. Thy soul is a jewel more worth than heaven and earth. The loss of thy soul is incomparable, irreparable, and irrecoverable. If that be lost, all is lost, and thou art undone forever. Is it madness and folly in a man to kill himself for company, and is it not greater madness or folly to break the neck of thy soul 
and to damn it for company. Suspect that way wherein thou seest multitudes to walk, the multitude being a stream that thou must row hard against, or thou wilt be carried into that gulf out of which angels cannot deliver thee. Is it not better to walk in a straight way alone than to wander into crooked ways with company? Sure, it is better to go to heaven alone than to hell with company. I might add other things, but these may suffice for the present, and I am afraid if these arguments do not stir you, other arguments will work but little upon you. Footnote What wise man would fetch gold out of a fiery crucible, hazard his immortal soul to gain the world, by following a multitude in those steps that lead to the chambers of death and darkness. End of footnote. Device 7 By casting in a multitude of vain thoughts while the soul is in seeking of God or in waiting on God. And by this device he hath cooled some men's spirits in heavenly services and taken off, at least for a time, many precious souls from religious performances. I have no heart to hear, nor no heart to pray, nor no delight in reading, nor in the society of the saints. Satan doth so dog and follow my soul, and is still a casting in such a multitude of vain thoughts concerning God, the world, and my own soul, that I even tremble to think of waiting upon God in any religious service. Oh, the vain thoughts that Satan casts in do so distaste my soul, and so grieve, vex, perplex, and distract my soul, that they even make me weary of holy duties, yea, of my very life. Oh, I cannot be so raised and ravished, so heated and melted, so quickened and enlarged, so comforted and refreshed as I should be, as I might be, and as I would be in religious services, by reason of that multitude of vain thoughts that Satan is injecting or casting into my soul. Footnote Lord, now how fain would I serve thee, and vain thoughts will not suffer me. End of footnote. Remedy 1 The first remedy against this device of Satan is to have your heart strongly affected with the greatness, holiness, majesty, and glory of that God before whom you stand, and with whom your souls do converse in religious services. Or let your souls be greatly affected with the presence, purity and majesty of that God before whom thou standest. A man would be afraid of playing with a feather when he is speaking with a king. Ah, when men have poor, low, light and slight thoughts of God, in their drawing near to God, they tempt the devil to bestir himself and to cast in a multitude of vain thoughts to disturb and distract the soul in its waiting on God. There is nothing that will contribute so much to the keeping out of vain thoughts as to look upon God as an omniscient God, an omnipresent God, an omnipotent God, a God full of all glorious perfections, a God whose majesty, purity, and glory will not suffer him to behold the least iniquity. Footnote When Pompey could not keep his soldiers in the camp by persuasion, he cast himself all along in the narrow passage that led out of it and bade them go if they would, but they must first trample upon their general. And the thoughts of this overcame them. You are wise and know how to apply it to the point in hand. End of footnote. The reason why the blessed saints and glorious angels in heaven have not so much as one vain thought is because they are greatly affected with the greatness, holiness, majesty, purity, and glory of God. 
Remedy 2. The second remedy against this device of Satan is to be peremptory in religious services, notwithstanding all those wandering thoughts the soul is troubled with. This will be a sweet help against them, for the soul to be resolute in waiting on God, whether it be troubled with vain thoughts or not, to say, Well, I will pray still, and hear still, and meditate still, and keep fellowship with the saints still. Footnote It is a rule in the civil law that nothing seems to be done, if there remains ought to be done. If once thou sayest, It is enough, thou art undone, saith Augustine. End of footnote Many precious souls can say from experience that when their souls have been preemptory in their waiting on God, that Satan hath left them and hath not been so busy in vexing their souls with vain thoughts. When Satan perceives that all those trifling vain thoughts that he cast into the soul do but vex the soul into greater diligence, carefulness, watchfulness, and preemptoriousness in holy and heavenly services, and that the soul loses nothing of his zeal, piety, and devotion, but doubles his care and diligence and earnestness, he often ceases to interpose his trifles and vain thoughts, as he ceased to tempt Christ when Christ was preemptory in resisting his temptations. Remedy 3 The third remedy against this device of Satan is to consider this, that those vain and trifling thoughts that are cast into our souls when we are waiting upon God in this or that religious service, if they be not cherished and indulged, but abhorred, resisted, and disclaimed, they are not sins upon our souls, though they may be troubles to our minds. They shall not be put upon our accounts, nor keep mercies and blessings from being enjoyed by us. When a soul in uprightness can look in the face of God and say, Lord, when I approach near unto thee, there be a world of vain thoughts crowned in upon me that do disturb my soul and weaken my faith and lessen my comfort and spiritual strength. Oh, these are my clog, my burden, my torment, my hell. Oh, do justice upon these. Free me from these that I may serve thee with more freeness, singleness, spiritualness, and sweetness of spirit. Footnote It is not Satan casting in a vain thought that can keep mercy from the soul or undo the soul, but the lodging and cherishing of vain thoughts. O Jerusalem, how long shall vain thoughts lodge within thee? Jeremiah 4.14 In the Hebrew it said in the midst of thee. They pass through the best hearts. They are lodged and cherished only in the worst hearts. End of footnote. These thoughts may vex that soul, but they shall not harm that soul, nor keep a blessing from that soul. If vain thoughts resisted and lamented could stop the current of mercy and render a soul unhappy, there would be none on earth that should ever taste of mercy or be everlastingly happy. Remedy 4 The fourth remedy against this device of Satan is solemnly to consider that watching against sinful thoughts, resisting of sinful thoughts, lamenting and weeping over sinful thoughts, carries with it the sweetest and strongest evidence of the truth and power of grace and of the sincerity of your hearts and is the readiest and surest way to be rid of them. Psalm 139, verse 23 Many low and carnal considerations may work men to watch their words, their lives, their actions as hope of gain or to please friends 
or to get a name in the world and many other such like considerations. Oh, but to watch our thoughts, to weep and lament over them, this must needs be from some noble, spiritual, and internal principle, as love to God, a holy fear of God, a holy care and delight to please the Lord. Footnote. Thoughts are first born, the blossoms of the soul, the beginning of our strength, whether for good or evil, and they are the greatest evidences for or against a man that can be. End of footnote. The schools do well observe that outward sins are of greater infamy, but inward heart sins are of greater guilt as we see in the devils. There is nothing that so speaks out a man to be thoroughly and kindly wrought upon as his having his thoughts to be brought into obedience as the apostle speaks in 2 Corinthians 10 verses 4 and 5. Grace is grown up to a very great height in that soul where it prevails to the subduing of those vain thoughts that walk up and down in the soul. Well, though you cannot be rid of them, yet make resistance and opposition against the first risings of them. When sinful thoughts arise, then think thus, The Lord takes notice of these thoughts. He knows them afar off, as the psalmist speaks in Psalm 138, verse 6. He knew Herod's bloody thoughts and Judas's betraying thoughts and the Pharisees' cruel and blasphemous thoughts afar off. Footnote. Zeno, a wise heathen, affirmed God even beheld the thoughts. Matthew 15, verses 15 through 18. O think thus, all these sinful thoughts, they defile and pollute the soul. They deface and spoil much of the inward beauty and glory of the soul. If I commit this or that sin to which my thoughts incline me, then either I must repent or not repent. If I repent, it will cost me more grief, sorrow, shame, heartbreaking, and soul bleeding before my conscience will be quieted, divine justice pacified, my comfort and joy restored, my evidences cleared, and my pardon in the court of conscience sealed, then the imagined profit or seeming sensual pleasures can be worth. What fruit had you in those things whereof you are now ashamed? Romans 6.21 Footnote Tears instead of gems were the ornaments of David's bed when he had sinned, and so they must be thine, or else thou must lie down in a bed of sorrow forever. End of footnote If I never repent, oh, then my sinful thoughts will be scorpions that will eternally vex me, the rods that will eternally lash me, the thorns that will everlastingly prick me, the dagger that will be eternally stabbing me, the worm that will be forever gnawing me. O oh, therefore watch against them, be constant in resisting them, and in lamenting and weeping over them, and then they shall not hurt thee, though they may for a time trouble thee. And remember this, he that doth this doth more than the most glistering and blustering hypocrite in the world doth. Footnote Inward bleeding kills many a man, so will sinful thoughts, if not repented of. End of footnote. Remedy 5. The fifth remedy against this device of Satan is to labor more and more to be filled with the fullness of God and to be enriched with all spiritual and heavenly things. What is the reason that the angels in heaven have not so much an idle thought? It is because they are filled with the fullness of God. Ephesians 3.19 Footnote. The words are in 
Hebraism. The Hebrews, when they would set out many excellent things, they add the name of God to it, city of God, cedars of God, wrestlings of God. And so here, that ye may be filled with the fullness of God. End of footnote. Take it for an experienced truth. The more the soul is filled with the fullness of God and enriched with spiritual and heavenly things, the less room there is in that soul for vain thoughts. The fuller the vessel is of wine, the less room there is for water. Oh, then lay up much of God, of Christ, of precious promises and choice experiences in your hearts, and then you will be less troubled with vain thoughts. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, bringeth forth good things. Matthew 12:35. Remedy 6 The sixth remedy against this device of Satan is to keep up holy and spiritual affections. For such as your affections are, such will be your thoughts. Oh, how I love thy law! It is my meditation all the day. Psalm 119, verse 97 What we love most, we must muse upon. When I awake, I am still with thee. Psalm 139, verse 18 That which we much like, we shall much mind. They that are frequent in their love to God and his law will be frequent in thinking of God and his law. A child will not forget his mother. Remedy 7 The seventh remedy against this device of Satan is to avoid multiplicity of worldly business. Oh, let not the world take up your hearts and thoughts at other times. Souls that are torn in pieces with the cares of the world will be always vexed and tormented with vain thoughts in all their approaches to God. Footnote Second Timothy 2.4 No man that warreth entangleth himself. It is a comparison which St. Paul borrows from the custom of the Roman Empire, wherein soldiers were forbidden to be managers in court of other men's causes, to undertake husbandry or merchandise. End of footnote. Vain thoughts will be still crowding in upon him that lives in a crowd of business. This Reformation audio track is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. SWRB makes thousands of classic Reformation resources available, free and for sale, in audio, video, and printed formats. Our many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing thousands of classic and contemporary Puritan and Reform books, tapes, and videos at great discounts, is on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com, by phone at 780-450-3730, by fax at 780-468-1096, or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, that's E-D-M-O-N-T-O-N, Alberta, abbreviated capital A, capital B, Canada, T6L3T5. You may also request a free printed catalog. And remember that John Calvin, in defending the Reformation's regulative principle of worship, or what is sometimes called the scriptural law of worship, commenting on the words of God, which I commanded them not, neither came into my heart, from his commentary on Jeremiah 731, writes, 
God here cuts off from men every occasion for making evasions, since he condemns by this one phrase, I have not commanded them, whatever the Jews devised. There is then no other argument needed to condemn superstitions than that they are not commanded by God. For when men allow themselves to worship God according to their own fancies, and attend not to his commands, they pervert true religion. And if this principle was adopted by the papists, all those fictitious modes of worship in which they absurdly exercise themselves would fall to the ground. It is indeed a horrible thing for the papists to seek to discharge their duties towards God by performing their own superstitions. There is an immense number of them, as it is well known, and as it manifestly appears. Were they to admit this principle, that we cannot rightly worship God except by obeying his word, they would be delivered from their deep abyss of error. The prophet's words, then, are very important when he says that God had commanded no such thing and that it never came to his mind, as though he had said that men assume too much wisdom when they devise what he never required, nay, what he never knew.